Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And a good Thursday to all of you as we kick off week two of the NFL season with Thursday Night Football tonight. Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets in the color rush game. So that'll be fun to see. Uh, Thank you for stopping by. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your Locked On Browns podcast host. So I appreciate you stopping by today. And we're going to talk a little Browns as we look to move forward from the Robert Griffin the third time and on to week two against the Baltimore Ravens. Yesterday, talked a little bit about the Ravens' uh, week one win, uh, why that wasn't as impressive as uh, some other wins would have been, and what maybe that means for the Browns moving forward. So uh, today, um, actually, the conversation is really all about Josh McCown. And so um, McCown takes over for Robert Griffin III, currently is backed up by Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. Neither rookie is really uh, capable of playing. So everything falls on the shoulders of Josh McCown, the aged veteran. And so it brings out some storylines. And so one of the storylines, Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the Cleveland Browns for Cleveland.com, and who many know um, based on her coverage, and obviously she has a very large audience being a part of uh, Cleveland.com. So she really can kind of drive the narrative a little bit like some other people. you know, at ESPN, Tony Grossi, those kind of things. The question really becomes is, does that narrative get questioned? Or because she and Tony and some of the other people are uh, on bigger platforms, do those narratives just get assumed? And so today's narrative is about Josh McCown and why Josh McCown gives the Browns a better chance to win than Robert Griffin III. You heard me right. Like some of the narrative we heard from uh, some of those people and others, uh, a few others, many, there's a belief that Josh McCown didn't even get a chance in uh, training camp, which starts with the belief that Hugh Jackson lied and said there was a competition when there really wasn't. I'm not one to believe he would do that. There's no reason for him to do that. I think he really was open to the opportunity that Robert Griffin III may not be good enough to run this team and that Josh McCown would be the starter. On the other hand, obviously McCown's age and Robert Griffin III's age as well as kind of back uh, seasons gave Griffin the leg up in the competition. There's no problem with that at all. But Hugh Jackson was very clear that he was going to make it a competition, and he did. Robert Griffin III, for most analysts, won that competition. McCown was given an opportunity to show what he can do. In Hugh Jackson's system, Robert Griffin III was was just better placed to do that. He obviously had that leg up, and he was going to win any tie, but many believe that McCown was lost. He just lost that 
that job, that opportunity in preseason based on his play, some of his fundamentals, and how they fit with the offense. That's kind of water under the bridge, except that kind of narrative that Robert Griffin III was not really the best choice has now popped back up in Mary Kay's article today. And so uh, at the end of the article, she gives four reasons why Josh McCown is a better fit or more likely to allow the Browns to win. And so I'll go over those really quickly. Uh, First, she says he's the king of third down. In 2015, uh, she gives some stats about how he did on third down. Um, And then talks about Robert Griffin III's one game against Philadelphia. I think it's possible that if you look over multiple seasons uh, moving forward or in Hugh Jackson's offense that that maybe McCown would look better on third down. But a running quarterback who has a deep arm just in general seems to play a little bit better on third down than an older veteran with a longer windup who cannot run and doesn't have as big of an arm. So comparing Josh McCown's 2015 season, where he had a 70.5 completion percentage on third down and had seven touchdowns to one interception, to Robert Griffin III's first game with the Browns in Hugh Jackson's system against the Philadelphia Eagles, a very small sample size, just doesn't seem to work for me. It could be over time that would be true and that would work um, out in McCown's favor, but that doesn't mean it will. Number two, it says he'll be good for Corey Coleman and the young receivers. Uh, So she talks a little bit about getting Coleman lined up properly and encouraging him if he runs the wrong route. The issue there isn't whether or not he could or couldn't do that. First, it assumes two things. It assumes that Robert Griffin III could not do that. There's an assumption there that Corey Coleman, who in a lot of the side action, you often saw Coleman and Griffin talking together about plays and how things will go, and you saw uh, Griffin really talking uh, to Coleman and Coleman listening. Uh, So the assumption that Robert Griffin III could not do that seems ridiculous. The second is that Corey Coleman will line up improperly, that he is going to run wrong routes, and that it's the quarterback's job, not the coach's, both wide receiver, uh, quarterback, Hugh Jackson, whoever's responsibility to make sure that those things happen correctly, both in practice and in the games. I think there's just some assumptions in the idea that McCown will be good for Corey Coleman and the young receivers, which is the statement, because that assumes that Robert Griffin III wasn't as good at those things. And so there's some assumptions there that I just don't like. The third one says he'll help Cam Irving. And then she talks about the shotgun missile snap over Robert Griffin III's head as the biggest issue for Irving. And yet McCown is supposed to help that. Pretty sure he wouldn't have got that snap. Um, Now, Irving has struggled in pass protection, But there's no reports that he's had any issues with uh, understanding and calling the protections. Some of it has just been his technique and his play, but nothing that it seems like Josh McCown or Robert Griffin III could help with. It also, again, assumes that Robert Griffin III doesn't know the offense well enough to help slide protections. Again, a big assumption. And the fourth thing is he'll put big play Gar, so Gary Barnage, back on the map. This one, she might be right about. That uh, Robert Griffin III was more of an outside-the-numbers type of passer. Um, Like to check it down to the running backs, also generally outside the numbers. 
wasn't as much of a short to middle of, of the middle of the field kind of thrower where Barnage and many tight ends tend to really succeed. And so this is an area where Josh McCown will be helpful for the Browns and that he will get Gary Barnage more involved. Again, the assumption is that getting Gary Barnage involved is better than what Robert Griffin III was doing. In week one, he didn't look great, but that is an assumption because, again, if the pass play goes to Barnage, that means it's not going to Pryor, not going to Corey Coleman, not going to Andrew Hawkins, who all have their talents on their own. Again, I'd love to see Barnage get involved, but I think there's some assumptions here that Gary Barnage being involved automatically makes the Browns better. Barnage should be involved in the game plan, but that's on Hugh Jackson as well as the quarterback. But it is an area that Josh McCown is far more comfortable with those short to middle routes in the middle of the field where a tight end and Gary Barnage uh, last year looked really, really good. So of the four, A, the fourth one makes sense. McCown is more of a tight end friendly kind of passer where Griffin is more of a down the field kind of passer. The other three, it's a strong statement to say that Josh McCown is the king of third downs just because of his 2015 season, which we all know was limited by injury. And so in the games that he did play, did he play well in third down? Sure. But it also assumes that Griffin wasn't going to play good on third down uh, just because he played poorly on third down in the first game. Getting Corey Coleman and the young receivers lined up, Robert Griffin III was doing some of those things as well. We saw it in preseason. We saw it in training camp. Griffin was doing those things. Griffin was teaching. Griffin was leading. Uh, There was a lot of positives there. And then helping out Cam Irving. Again, I'm not sure how much more Josh McCown will be helpful to Cameron Irving in the areas that he does struggle, which are technical and and reactionary when a blitz is coming, when a stunt is coming, those kind of things. So, again, can Josh McCown play better than Robert Griffin III did in the first week? Absolutely. But assuming that he will and that Griffin wouldn't is ridiculous. And it's a narrative that is spun in a way that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. That maybe something about Robert Griffin III rubs some people the wrong way. They didn't like his flash. They didn't like his big arm. They didn't like how he carried himself. And they like Corey, or I'm sorry, they like Josh McCown a little bit better. Or they're just looking for a story, and that either one of those is okay, as long as we admit it. But there are some assumptions about the reality that Josh McCown will somehow be better than Robert Griffin III in Week 2, that nothing that will happen on the field can prove or disprove, which allows these type of articles to continue. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. So let's look at back back at last season's game where McCown did play against Baltimore to give us a feel for what we could expect. A 33-30 to 30 victory for the Browns in overtime. Great, a victory. 33 points seems a little bit extreme after what we saw in week one. That doesn't mean we won't improve. The Eagles showed to have a pretty good defense. 
uh, better than I expected. Interestingly enough, his stats are ones that I don't see r replicable, but I don't see them repl replicable because I don't think he's going to get the opportunities that he did. And so in that game, he had 51 attempts, 36 completions, 457 yards, 71% completion percentage. Those are ridiculous numbers. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran the ball 12, three times for 12 yards and had one touchdown. Again, those are huge numbers and can get some excited that maybe the Browns um, have a better quarterback, at least against the Ravens, than maybe they had in week one with Griffin. The problem there is that that's a lot of passes, 51 passes um, to only 25 runs, 13 by Crowell, 9 by Duke Johnson in what was a very um, high-scoring, high-flying kind of game where the Browns and the Ravens went back and forth, obviously all the way till overtime where the Browns won with their field goal. If you look at some of the team stats, uh, the Browns only gave up 377 yards, somehow still giving up 30 points to the Ravens, while they had 505 themselves. A key stat we'll look at all year long is going to be time of possession, and that's where the Browns, uh, and maybe a dink and duck system with Josh McCown as well as running the ball could really excel. And so in overtime, the total the Browns had 39 minutes of possession while the Ravens only had 29 minutes of possession the ball. So I think there could be some things we'll see interesting here. I think the Ravens are going to be a different team than they were last year. I think we saw that in week one where they were a, there was a lot of defense. The question really becomes is whether the Browns can shut down the passing game of the Ravens. Last year, Justin Forsett had 21 carries for 121 yards, a 5.8 yards per carry average, and one touchdown, and only a long of 22. And then uh, Allen had eight carries for 58 yards, a long of 44. And between them, uh, the uh, Ravens had 31 rushes for 181 yards. And so even though they didn't really possess the ball for a long period of time compared to the Browns, they really were able to control a lot of the game based on their running game. And I think the Browns have focused on that. Um, I think they looked a little bit better against the Eagles. I think Danny Shelton, uh, who was the seventh rated interior defensive lineman by Pro Football Focus, really stepped up and really saw some development from him in week one. That really was shocking uh, to me as I've watched him develop. Uh, he actually kept his leverage low, was getting penetration in the backfield, something we hadn't seen. In the passing game, it was a really interesting set of receivers that uh, Flacco had to throw to that I think this year with Mike Wallace and Brashard Perryman and um, Steve Smith back, that he really has just a better system of weapons. And so last year, Kamar Aiken uh, led the team with four receptions and 78 yards against the Browns. Forsett also had four receptions. Uh, for 49 yards and so I think the the difference this year will be the weapon system that Flacco has to work with and whether or not the Browns can actually get anything rolling offensively as they're switching over to Joe Flacco defensively last year the Browns only got to Flacco one time and so you're talking about a not very mobile quarterback who uh, the Browns were only able to get one sack on and that was Armani Bryant who is obviously out this year they only had two uh total quarterback hits with Bryant and John Hughes getting hits on the quarterback. And so there really wasn't a lot defensively to get yourself excited about. Um, you know, a few, five tackles for losses, but that those are going to happen. Uh, Carlos Dansby, Dante Whitner led the team in tackles. And so just a completely different Browns team. And so, um, and a, a different system 
John Filippo really loved the system he had and really was a system set up for McCown to succeed, um, to throw a lot of passes, again, 51 of them. And so this year I think we're going to see a little bit different of a game uh, with where the, where the Ravens are right now, where their weapons are, what they're able to do offensively, even though they look pretty bad against the Buffalo Bills, I think they at least have more weapons against a very, we'll use the word suspect, Cleveland Browns defense. And then for the Browns, you're just looking at a different offensive system. You're looking at a team that is trying to find an identity. And I think Hugh Jackson is going to go back to what he originally stated, and that he wants to be a power running team. And so I don't think McCown's going to get 51 attempts. I don't think the Browns score 33 points. The question is whether they can score enough points and can the defense keep the Ravens from scoring another 30 after giving up 29 last week to the Philadelphia Eagles? Those are questions I think many Browns fans have already decided in their head. I think we've, they've decided the Browns offense will struggle with McCown, uh, even though Mary Kay believes they are actually better with Josh McCown. I think they've already, Browns fans have already decided their defense is going to be terrible, uh, even though the young players showed a little bit in week one that surprised many of us and they have a lot of speed that they're trying to develop on that side of the ball for the Ravens they they want to compete they don't really believe in rebuilding and so uh, with Flacco's large cap number with Steve Smith uh, planning to retire again after this season after his retirement season was cut short uh, by his back injury the Ravens really want to win now and a loss to the Cleveland Browns would be a big problem for them and so uh, that's kind of looking back tomorrow on our Lockdown Browns Friday podcast. We'll look forward to exactly what will happen on Sunday. Uh, a little bit of a prediction and as well as writing a few headlines that will come out on Monday. But we'll talk about them on Friday depending on the outcome of the game. Uh, so just to kind of guess what might uh, things might look like Monday morning. So again, thank you for stopping by on this Locked on Browns podcast. We finish up every Locked on Browns podcast with our listen up, our tune in, and our click on. And so our listen up is easy. That is to Matt Williamson's Locked on NFL podcast, as well as the Locked on Ravens podcast. And so the one uh, that they put up most recently uh, by Tony Lombardi and Russell Street uh, is previewing the Browns and Ravens game. So if you want to get kind of uh, inside the enemy camp, that's how you can do that on the Locked On Ravens podcast. And then for our tune-in, it's pretty simple. It's Thursday night football. And so Jets-Buffalo, uh, the Bills look like they could be a team that struggles to win some games this year as well. And so do they join the Browns fighting for the top of the uh, NFL draft? The Jets also could be a team depending on how things go, uh, that disappoint as well. So let's take a look at two other teams that maybe aren't so good, kind of like that second Monday night game this uh, for the Saint, with the St. Louis Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. And then for click on, again, I, I encourage you to read Mary Kay's piece on cleveland.com, um, see her perspective. But again, I want you to think critically about what you read, what you hear from me and from others Think about the other kind of side of that. And so while Mary Kay does point out some things that make sense, it's important to realize that some of it is making assumptions about what Robert Griffin III could or could not do. 
And I think you get into a dangerous position when you do that. Again, thanks for listening into this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And you can find all of my written work on Scout. Uh, the OBR.com is where all of my Browns work will be. So again, thanks for tuning in. And go Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.